California. What's up, everybody? It's Tuesday, August 25th, 2020. This is a talk in the attic recorded right here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I'm your host, Kirk Ross. Feeling a little bit sentimental today, if I'm being honest. My oldest niece has officially gone off to college, which, in addition to sentimental, makes me feel a litany of other emotions. It makes me feel a little bit old, sure, but I might attribute this feeling to the fact that I'm wearing elastic-waisted pleated jean shorts, crew socks, and an ill-fitting t-shirt I picked up on a recent canoeing trip. So, maybe it's my niece going off to university that makes me feel old, or maybe it's my river life tea. Probably it's both. Seeing her head off to school makes me feel a little bit nostalgic, of course, for when I was starting that strange new chapter, and it makes me feel so excited for the sudden growth that she'll certainly experience through her impending independence. And no, I'm not talking about the freshman 15. Of course, it wouldn't be 2020, would it, if I didn't bring up the strange circumstances in which not just my niece, but students far and wide are heading into this particular school year. First day syllabus sessions, toga parties, and homecoming games will be replaced by online learning, virtual classrooms, and empty stadiums. My biggest fear freshman year, pathogenically, herpes. This year's incoming students, COVID-19. But kids, if you're listening, don't sleep on the herpes. Trust me. I mean, not that I would personally know or anything. I'm just, I mean, it's, it's at least not for a while. <laughs> I mean, I'm just kidding, but... Then again, there is a little bit of truth in every joke, isn't there? As comedian Doug Stanhope once said, when you live like I've lived, you look at herpes like a skateboarder looks at a skinned knee. Moving on. This week would typically see welcome weekend keg parties leading to freshman vomit being spewed throughout dormitory bathrooms across the country, but not this year. At least you wouldn't think so. But campuses are already seeing spikes in coronavirus cases in places like UNC Chapel Hill, where massive mask-free parties have already unfolded. Look, if you're listening and you happen to be a student and you're invited to a college party, then maybe sit it out, at least for now. If you're listening and you're not a college student and you're invited to a college party, then definitely don't go. I know you think you'll fit in by tucking half of your t-shirt into the front of your thick threaded jeans from the buckle, but it's actually quite the opposite. Sure, dressing like a dad is kind of the in-style thing right now, but dressing like a nerdy dad is really the look. In other words, the line's been drawn at puka shell necklaces pop, so move on to a more age-appropriate shindig, you got it? Maybe a neighborhood watch meeting, or an annual physical with your primary care physician, something a little more your speed. Plus, asking your doc for an additional colonoscopy, despite just having had one last week, is far less creepy than showing up at a college house party. Of course, both scenarios would be made worse by your decision to bring a six-pack of four Locos tall boys to the get-together. College kids are mainly into vaping these days, and your GI doc is here for business, not butt fun. Now, a quick word from a fake sponsor. What's up, students of America? It's me, Four Loco Frankie, sipping on a frizzy fruit punch, which truly packs a punch. Professor Frankie, what makes it pack such a punch? It's hard to say, child, who we're obviously marketing this to. Such predatory behavior. It could be the 12% alcohol by volume. Wow, 12%? What a coincidence. I'm 12 years old. We know! 
Maybe it's the 500 milligram of caffeine per serving. Whoa, my heart palpitations are sinking with the beat of this ad. And finally, there's the flavor. Our experts at the Flavor Lab, AKA guys we found on Craigslist, assure us that only the most tropical of fruit flavorings were used to create that unique flavor that nine out of 10 college students agree tastes like ham. Yum, ever since I went vegan, I've been craving pork. Thanks, Professor Frankie. This is Four Loco Frankie reminding you that Four Loco is back once again with another new recipe that just barely evades the strict regulations levied upon us by the tyrannical Food and Drug Administration. Suck it, FDA, and suck one down, youth of America. Four Loco is illegal in all states. Side effects include severe tachycardia, aggressive slurring of speech, hand breath, absenteeism, constipation, vomiting, texting your crush, spiraling into full-blown alcohol dependency, shortness of breath, loss of sense of smell, loss of friends, even worse, hand breath. Serious side effects include sudden death and occasionally emphasizing phrases like I'm doing right now. Look, I said earlier there's truth to every joke, and that fake advertisement was no exception. I'll never forget the ham-like aftertaste of my first Four Loco which I probably took down, I don't know, 15 years ago. I'd say go find out for yourself, but I can't stress this enough. Do not go find out for yourself. If that ad seemed ill-placed and a bit jarring, then you might be a perfect candidate to go check out the show's Patreon page, or maybe you could pick up some of Talk in the Attic merch. Both of these will help us keep advertisements. Confession, I kind of want to start saying advertisements like the British do, but I don't quite know if I have the confidence yet. I'm going to try it anyway. Anyhow, both Patreon and merch will help keep advertisements out of our space here. Of course, the best support I can receive from you is that you're listening at all. Thank you so much for your continued support in whatever regard you're helping the show. Thanks to the Michigan Podcasting Network for their support. Shout out to Joe Gentleman for the theme song up top. Let's stick with the back to school theme for the duration of today's show by exploring our memories for how we felt on our first days of school in various phases of our lives. First, with the help of that derelict Four Loco Frankie, let's, let's start, start the, show. the show! Easy, Frankie. Maybe take it easy on the Four Locos for a bit. Start the fucking show! School spirit up for the Alpha step, omega step, kappa step, sigma step, gangsters walk, pimps gon' talk, ooh, hecky now nah, that boy is raw, aka step, delta step, sg step, zeta step, gangsters walk, pimps gon' talk, ooh, hecky now nah, that boy is raw, I'ma get on this TV, mama. That was Kanye West's school spirit off his debut studio album, College Dropout, which fittingly dropped right as I was starting my freshman year of school. We wore that CD out my first couple of years at school. In fact, I'll admit it, I'm still rocking this album. Then again, if I were to survey all of you listening, I bet we'd find that a lot of us are still jamming to that music that we discovered in those formative late teen years. That's the era that introduced me to Bright Eyes, Kings of Leon, Modest Mouse, Spoon, Boney Vare, Against Me, and so much other music that is forever imprinted on me as a result of the nostalgia associated with that part of my life. But that's the college era, and that's really not the place to start. So let's go back to where it all began, elementary school. I could spend this time getting into the excitement that bubbled up in the middle of every August when class lists were posted on my elementary school's glass doors. I mean, this was pre-internet, folks. So this is how we learned the fate of our class rosters. 
My mom would walk my neighbor Gabe and me to W.R. Bush Elementary, go Bobcats, every year so we could confirm that we were lucky enough to be placed in the same class and to see who our teacher was and to see who else we'd have the pleasure of sharing that teacher with. I could get into the emotions tied to that annual school supplies trip that had a young me scratching my head about how the adults around me were so excited about the price of spiral notebooks and pocket folders. Maybe I'm misremembering here, but I feel like I can remember notebooks and folders dropping to near giveaway prices. Do you guys remember this? Maybe it's still the case, but I remember notebooks for like 30 cents, folders for half of that, number two pencils, 10 for a dollar. So much savings all around me. But all I really cared about was that pencil box. And of course, new clothes. I was a gargantuan of a child, perhaps even meandering into the husky section at various points of my childhood. Can we talk for a minute about the decision to call chubby little boys husky? There's such a depressing element to the word husky, isn't there? Maybe if you weren't a husky kid, you wouldn't know, but it brings up thoughts of corn husks dying at the end of fall, which reminds us all of delicious, moist cornbread or corn cake, and perhaps the best format of corn, especially to a husky kid, candy corn. Are they still calling this segment of boys' clothing husky? Lord, I hope not. Talk about a traumatizing experience. Learning that your brand new Levi's had husky engraved on the inner tag, I suspected I was a little husky as it was, Levi's. But thanks for reminding me. If only the tag had read curvy and a lifetime of self-consciousness might have been avoided. Picking out school clothes was always an exciting endeavor. We'd pick out several outfits based on whatever the Bay City Mall was touting as the fashion of the day. And while I can't say this with certainty, I think it wasn't until second grade that I finally became all in on the prospects of school clothes shopping. And in 1992, the choice was clear for how I would wow my fellow classmates that first day. Really a precursor to years of inexplicable concern over my image, a concern I still have to battle with from time to time. I remember like it was yesterday. We were in the husky section of Yonkers when I first laid eyes on the ensemble that would soon become my first day of second gray swag. Like some sort of divine intervention, the heavens illuminated a pair of maroon Arizona jeans and a 100% silk button-down shirt that featured pink, teal, purple, and maroon splashes of color that I can best describe as window screensaver fireworks. Can you picture this? My mom likely attempted to talk me off of this bold wardrobe decision with comments like, Aren't you going to be hot in your 95-degree classroom with these thick jeans and long sleeve shirt, Kirky? But... Talking me out of this divine first day look was fruitless because after two long weeks, known as a sort of probationary period in the Ross household that barred any usage of our new school clothes until the first day of school. These are school clothes, Kirky, not end of summer, get grass stains all over your pants while you make a movie with your buddy's clothes. But finally, the day came. The first day of school was upon us, and so too was my chance to debut my newfound freshness. I sprinted from the bus to my classroom that first morning with my trusty classmate Gabe in tow when I burst into the humid classroom and instantly thought to myself, holy smokes, why am I wearing these thick jeans and this long sleeve shirt? But I knew exactly why. I wore it because I looked as dope as any husky second grader has ever looked that morning in late August of 1992. I strutted around the room making buck too small talk with the classmates I knew from the year before. For some reason, I hadn't seen any of these kids since the last day of the previous school year, despite all the yearbook autographs that insisted that we'd both stay cool and hang this summer. 
as I was making the rounds, well, let's call it what it was, at least in my head, as I was making a victory lap, a victory in the style department, at least through the analysis of the only judge who mattered, me. But as I was taking this victory lap, a new face popped in through the doorway. Who was this boy? Perhaps one of the couple names I didn't recognize on the class roster? He had kind eyes, he had an athletic build, and he was wearing the same MFing outfit that I was wearing. As cool as a 100% silk shirt can look on its own, so too is the uncoolness of matching coordinated silk shirts. In my head, I'd built up expectations of not only being a fashionista, but being recognized as such by my peers. In reality, I was exposed as the husky kid who lost the Who Wore It Better competition to his new classmate, Josh. Big shout out to Josh. If I hadn't told you before, Josh, then hear me now. You wore it better. Future years, first day outfits were more carefully planned to ensure uniqueness, that's for sure. But the lesson of building unrealistic expectations and worrying first about my image took a little longer to sink in. Let's stay in the context of bad fashion as we continue to explore another memory of the start of school. This time we'll fast forward to the most awkward of years for a young boy, 7th grade. At this point, I had rocked the bowl cut for my entire school career, so it was heading into my 7th grade year that I developed a sudden need to shake this childish hairstyle. I was done with the bowl cut. And what happened next would make the silk shirt fiasco from 1992 seem like no big deal at all. Master Cuts at the Bay City Mall was the venue where it all went down. Prepubescent feelings of doubt and exposure to the kind of mid-90s toxic masculinity that had all of the male Saved by the Bell characters objectifying women and bragging about their manliness led me to a decree that would take months to correct itself when I declared, with prejudice, Mom, I want a man cut. A what, Kirky? A more manly haircut. A man cut, Mom. Oh, but the bull cut is so cute. Exactly, Mom. But I don't want to be cute. I want to look like a man. You would think that the stylist over at Master Cuts would be, you know, masterful, given the name of the shop, but not so. And maybe $7 Cuts was already taken. Either way, I got flat out butchered. <laughs> I'm talking long bangs, a short crop in back, sideburns cut straight to the top of my ears. Just terrible. So when I showed up to my first day of seventh grade at Kramer Junior High, I looked like I had gotten lost on my way to Lilith Fair 97. Quick sidebar about Lilith Fair 97, Paula Cole was naturally one of the headlines, and I'd be doing us all a disservice if I didn't point out her 1997 smash hit, Where Have All the Cowboys Gone, was a highlight of her Lilith Fair set that year. While Paula Cole was searching for cowboys, Little Kirk was searching for a cowboy hat, or anything else that might cover up that brutal hairdo. School started back up, my hair grew back, but my confidence was damaged nonetheless. I guess I wasn't ready for a man cut. Wasn't quite ready to be a man, really. Let's skip ahead once again to when I was definitely ready to be a man, at least so I thought, in 2002 when I was starting my senior year of high school. 
I had but football and my girlfriend on my mind. Academically, I was a strong performer, and my grades reflected it. But what I was really strong at by then was performing like I was a good student. By the time my senior year came along, I had proven myself to my teachers enough that it emboldened me to fake my way through my senior year. I mean, I still worked hard, still tested well, still got A's, but a large component of those A's looking back was assigned automatically based on my reputation and personality. We did whatever we could get away with when it came to scheming, not because I didn't know the answers, I did, but because we wanted to test the limits and because we knew we had these teachers drinking our Kool-Aid. Perhaps an odd point to focus on, but I promise I'll pull it together shortly. Don't know much about history. Don't know much biology. Don't know much about a science book. Don't know much about the French I took. But I do know that I love you. And I know that if you love me too. What a wonderful world this would be. Finally, let's touch briefly now on the last first day of school I ever had, senior year of college, September of 2008, at Saginaw Valley State University. By then, I had convinced myself that I was on the right path, that a career in mechanical engineering would likely lead to something in business development, and then maybe something on my own. Who knows? Who really cares? I certainly didn't. I was just focused on getting through the year, partying it up as much as we could, so long as it didn't interfere with the most important goal, getting through the year. So we partied a lot, I skipped a lot of class, I still did well on my exams, and I graduated. And that was it. My education was over. Who gives a fuck about an Oxford comma? I seen those English dramas through And I was so done with school. It was just a means to an end, and I had reached the end. Finally, I thought. And as clear as I'm saying this today, I can recall lamenting how I didn't learn anything in college that I would use for my career, that I could have just entered the workforce at 18 and been just as ready. And honestly, in a couple key ways, I might have been right. Because for as much as I learned from my formal education, as in the wonderful teachers along the way, the great coaches the actual textbooks and class periods and essays and exams. I learned tons from this side of my education. I'm highly grateful and lucky to have been afforded such opportunity. But as positive as my formal education was in terms of gained knowledge, so too was the impact made by the social and cultural and personal lessons I picked up along the way. Because some of my less positive attributes, which have been showing themselves at various times throughout their life, were all developed alongside the textual education I was receiving. My concern over my image began with a super 80s silk shirt. Let's call it what it is. It's a silk blouse. My desire to present to the world as a man's man first appeared with that ill-fated man cunt heading into seventh grade. My tendency to grow complacent and ride on my laurels took root on my first day of my senior year. And the deprioritizing of learning, and I mean really learning, was fully shaped by the time my first day of my last year of college came around. So why does this matter now, in 2020, when students are nervously starting another year of school, when teachers are heading back with so many questions and concerns, when parents are setting their kids off to another year in the most uncertain of times? Well, frankly, as most of you will agree, my specific tales from my specific schoolboy days don't really matter. 
but we can all glean a few key lessons from what I shared too. To you students out there, take it from me, the value is in the learning. Don't worry about an exact path you have to set now. Just learn what you can and go to your classes. Someday you'll wish you had the opportunity to focus on learning as much as you can without the additional stresses that'll come down the line. Your first day outfits don't matter. Neither does it matter how many girlfriends or boyfriends you had. What will matter is how you carried yourself and how you treated those around you and how hard you worked. To the parents and aunts and uncles, we all have to remember that kids are dealing with so much more than just their classes as they head into another year. They're all learning lessons, some hard ones even, about what it means to be a person. They're developing habits, both positive and negative. And on top of that, they're dealing with all the uncertainty that's been created by the pandemic and its politicization. So more than ever in this regard, let's cut the kids some slack. I mean, easy for me to say, I don't have kids. But I do know some, and while I generally run a pretty loose ship already, I'm going to cut them even more slack than usual. Best of luck to you all for a positive school year. Teachers, we're behind you. Students, get after it this year. Be yourself, even if you've got buck teeth and a Lilith fair hairdo. And to all of us, let's keep learning. The only way we'll continue to grow through this whole thing is if we're able to continue learning. I mean, I'm now in 29th grade. I'm learning about sound engineering and Michigan tort law, and I'm excited about that. What are some new subjects that you're picking up as we head into this new school year? If you don't have an answer, then you've got a homework assignment. Find one. Peace out, y'all. Class is dismissed. up you can be anything in the world and god we trust an architect doctor maybe an actress but nothing comes easy it takes much practice like i met a woman who's becoming a star she was very beautiful leaving people in awe singing songs lena horn but the younger version hung with the wrong person got a strong one at her when cocaine sniffing up drugs all in the nose could have died so young now looks ugly and old no fun because now when she reaches for hugs people hold their breath because she smells of corrosion and death watch the company you keep and the crowd you bring Cause they came to do drugs and you came to sing So if you're gonna be the best, I'ma tell you how Put your hand in the air and take the vow I know I can, I know I can Be what I wanna be, be, what I wanna be. If, I if I work hard at it I'll be where I wanna be Listen again, this is for grown looking girls who's only 10 The ones who watch videos and do what they see As cute as can be, up in the club with fake ID Careful, for you meet a man with HIV You can host a TV like Oprah Winfrey Whatever you decide, be careful, some men be Rapists, so act your age, don't pretend to be older than you are Give yourself time to grow You're thinking he can give you wealth, but so young boys You can use a lot of help, you know You're thinking life's all about smoking weed and ice You don't wanna be my age and can't read and write Begging different women for a place to sleep at night Smart boys turn them in and do whatever they wish If you believe you can achieve, then say it like this I know I can, I know I can. Be what I wanna be, be, what I wanna be. If, I work hard at it, if I work hard at it 
I'll be where I wanna be. Came to this country, we were kings and queens, never porch monkeys. There was empires in Africa called Kush, Timbuktu, where every race came to get books to learn from black teachers who taught Greeks and Romans, Asian Arabs, and gave them gold. When gold was converted to money, it all changed. Money then became empowerment for Europeans. The Persian military invaded, they heard about the gold, the teachings, and everything sacred. Africa was almost robbed naked, slavery was money, so they began making slave ships. Egypt was the place that Alexander the Great went. He wasn't shocked that the mountains were black faces. Shot up their nose to impose what basically still goes on today, you see. If the truth is told, the youth can grow. They'll learn to survive until they gain control. Nobody says you have to be gangsters, hoes. Read more, learn more, change the globe. Ghetto children, do your thing. Hold your head up, little man, you're a king. Young princess, when you get your wedding ring, your man is saying, she's my queen. I know I can be what I want to be if I work hard at it. I'll be where I want to be. I know I can be what I want to be if I work hard at it. Y'all. Save the music, y'all. Save the music, y'all. Save the music, y'all. Save the music.